0: G'day everyone and welcome to Glen O's Podcast. Welcome to Episode 7. I hope everyone is enjoying the October long weekend being a holiday Monday. We're going to talk about in this episode petrol prices. Very strange, isn't it, how petrol prices are suddenly high given the long weekend and everyone wants to go away. Also, it's been five years since I made the decision to move to the Gold Coast from Sydney. And I'm going to discuss about what I think of the Gold Coast and compare the two cities that I've lived in, being the lifestyle and when it comes to photography. Can't believe how quick the year's gone. It's the October long weekend where we all get a public holiday on Monday. Daylight savings has started in the southern states. We don't observe it here in Queensland. I did a podcast about that on my last episode and I don't really want to well into it any further for the next six months we will be behind new south wales victoria south australia tasmania and the act until april the 5th and uh i just feel it goes a bit too long i'm pretty sure daylight savings was the first weekend or second weekend in november and it went until the second weekend in march but i think in the um when the sydney had the olympics in the year 2000 that all changed so there we go so we're still on standard time up here in queensland Uh, The long weekend also marks, well, up here in Queensland, it's the Queen's birthday. Uh, Most states celebrate the Queen's birthday in the June long weekend, and um, we celebrate the Queen's birthday here in October, on the October long weekend up here. I don't know why. I've been trying to look some information up on the internet as to why they changed it. It was changed a couple of years ago. Uh, Labor Day was moved to May. So I'm not too sure what's going on there. It's a bit odd. But either way, we all have tomorrow. uh, Well, I'll say tomorrow because I'm doing this podcast on a Sunday. But whenever this gets published, we will be having the Monday off like every other state in Australia, I presume. Except it's not Labor Day. It's the Queen's birthday long weekend. So there you have it. And I am surprised at the... The amount of cars on the freeway, uh, normally school holidays is just about finished here in Queensland. Uh, School goes back on the Tuesday, I believe, or in certain schools, it'll be Wednesday. New South Wales, I think, has another week to go. Now, normally during the school holidays, the freeway, uh, it's only a a kilometre from my house, the M1 that goes from the Gold Coast to uh, Brisbane. It's normally fairly quiet around holiday time. Uh, There are peaks where people are coming back from holidays and people going to holidays at the beginning and the end, where it does get busy. But generally, when I drive home from work on a weekday, the freeway generally flows pretty good during the school holidays in Queensland up until this year. For some reason, it's been diabolical. Normally, if I punch in on Google Maps, I should get to work in 14 or 15 minutes, right? I haven't been able to get home in, under four, in less than under 40 minutes in the last two weeks. Going to work in the morning is not an issue because it's early. But when I finish around 3pm, I haven't been able to get home any quicker than 40 minutes. And I'm only about 11 kilometres from work. So it is absolutely a mess, this M1. They are widening it. They are doing a, a project at the moment that is supposed to open next June or July, but uh, I'll believe it when I see it where it's going to be three or four lanes each way, uh, not far from where I live. That will improve things significantly, but until then, it's just going to get worse and worse. Increasing population, people moving up from interstate and so forth, it's not getting any better. So uh, I try and avoid the M1 the most times. There are times it's unavoidable where I do have to use it, but um, it's it's getting worse. And it's very frustrating and the motorists are very frustrated as well. So hopefully this time next year I can get on here and say how good the M1 is down where I live. But it's far from it at the moment. I'm actually surprised at the amount of people going away given the price of petrol at the moment. Well, it's around $1.60, $1.70 at the moment. It's been the highest as it's been most of this year. And um, just some facts that uh, I'm going to go through in a minute. Now, when I first got my licence back in 1990, petrol was $0.62 a litre. I don't recall a price cycle occurring back then. Now, definition of a price cycle now is a result of deliberate pricing policies of retailers not related to changes in wholesale costs. In other words, the price is just going up and down just because they feel like doing it, not because it's reflecting on other factors uh, like the Australian dollar and so forth, where which can have an effect. But um, $1.60, and then it'll go down to $1.30, $1.35, and then in a couple of weeks' time will go back up to $1.60 again. But back in 1990, the petrol was in the low 60s, 62, 63 cents a litre I remember paying when I got my first car. And I don't recall it going up to 70, 80, 90 cents a litre, and then back down to 62, 63 cents a litre in a couple of weeks after that. It was always around in the low 60s. It might have fluctuated one or two cents, but it was no big deal. So I'm at a loss why on earth there's a petrol cycle now where you can get 30 and up to 40 cents a litre. And the thing that worries me is when we do get above $2 a litre or $2.50 a litre, and and, that will happen sometime down the track, hopefully not in my lifetime, but I'm, I'm sort of wishful thinking there, the price cycle will even be greater because it's a psychological thing. You know, when petrol's $1.60 and $1.30, because we're still in that dollar range between $1 and $2, some people think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But if petrol becomes $2.50 a litre eventually, what's to say that it's not going to go from $2.20 to $2.80, and the price cycle will be a 60 cent difference. And as the price of petrol increases in the future, the price cycle is going to be greater and greater. So maybe there was a price cycle back in 1990. And it went from 62 to 64 cents a litre. But back then you wouldn't even know and care. You wouldn't drive around it for different service stations because the petrol was a two cents cheaper. You know, it was, things were more simplified back then. Um, also too, the major players in the petroleum industry now is Caltex and Shell. And now Caltex have got their Woolworths offshoot and we've got Coles. The two supermarket supermarket players are involved now in, in the petroleum industry. Well, back in the 1970s and 1980s, we had far more petrol companies that were major. I'm not referring to independency. I'm talking about major petrol companies. Now, back then, we had Golden Fleece, Ampol, Amoco, Esso, and Mobil. So we had more major petrol companies back then, although Golden Fleece, I think Caltex did supply their refu- their fuel. Not every, not every one of those companies I mentioned had their own refineries. Well, Caltex bought out Golden Fleece in 1981. So there was no more Golden Fleece. They all become Caltech service stations or they closed. In 1995, Caltechs took over Ampol. In 1998, BP merged with Amoco. So Amoco still exists over in overseas countries but no longer in Australia. They become BP garages. And then in 1990, we had ESO um, and they were taken over by Mobil in 1990. So most of the SO garages become mobile uh, service stations. And then in 2009, Caltechs tried to merge with mobile and have uh, mobile service stations become Caltechs. The ACCC blocked that takeover for fear of um, less competition. And because that got blocked, 7-Eleven then put a bid in to be in partnership with Mobile, which was approved by the ACCC. So most, if not all, 7-Eleven petrol stations and convenience stores around Australia are supplied with Mobile Petrol. So you'll see the Mobile logo underneath the 7-Eleven. So um, there certainly was more major players in the market when I was younger than what there is now. So um, it was a lot more healthier. Now, with the price of oil, one thing that's interesting at the moment, in 2016, so in the last 10 or 15 years, 2016 had the cheapest petrol on average nationally at $1.17 a litre, which was pretty cheap, and that was only three years ago. Uh, Oil was $50 per barrel, drum, in 2016. Now, the oil is now $55 per barrel, so it's only $5 more per barrel than it was a few years ago, yet we're paying $1.60 to $1.70 per litre. That doesn't make sense, does it? And then in 2008, um, the price of oil was at an all-time high at at $1, $160 a barrel, and petrol was $1.50 a litre. So June 2008, or around 2008, petrol was fairly high. It was $1.50 a litre back then. We're paying that now, but the price per oil is $100 a barrel cheaper. Figure it out. Let's not forget the independent fuel stations, though. So we do have independents in Australia, and I come across this website called Canstar Blue, and they're a consumer review and comparison website. And I did a bit of research, and I found what the best-rated petrol and service stations are, and the majority of them are independents in the top five. So they've listed eleven, and I'll go through them all for you. So. They're saying that the best rated petrol station is 7-Eleven, followed by Liberty, Puma Energy, Costco, which Costco do have some petrol stations now, I believe. I haven't personally seen one, but I think there's one up in Brisbane. Then you've got Metro Petroleum, and then the major players, Woolworths, Caltechs at 6, then BP, United is at eighth, so that's the lowest out of the independents. Caltechs at ninth. then you've got the Coles Express Shell, and Shell at eleventh down the bottom, so it sounds like to me that people do go for the independence. I personally fill up at Seven Eleven, 11 probably because of convenience. There's a Seven Eleven 11 only about a kilometre up the road from me, and I go there when I can. There are times where I've got to go to other petrol stations, obviously, if I'm out of the area and so forth. So there you go. So the top five um, petrol stations. Uh, that are best rated, well, most of them independents. I don't know if I'd class Seven Eleven, stroke mobile as independent though, because mobile is a big, uh, you know, when they had their standalone uh, petrol stations in Australia, they were fairly big. So I'm not sure if they're classed as independent, but either way, it's good to see, you know, Liberty, Puma, Costco and Metro uh, up there in the top five. It's coming up to five years since I've uh, made the move from Sydney to the Gold Coast and made Gold Coast my home. October 2014, I think it was October the 20th to be exact, is when I um, got the phone call from the uh, company that I work for now to say that I was successful in my application for the job that I'm currently doing. And I couldn't come up here quick enough, I packed my bags and... uh, I got the phone call at 2 p.m., I think, in the afternoon on a Wednesday, if I remember rightly, and I drove, arrived here at 1 a.m. on the Gold Coast, and then the day after I started work. That's how keen I was. And how that all come about was um, I got a redundancy in 2012. I worked for a company down there for about 20 years, and it closed down. And uh, when I got my redundancy money, I suppose I could have gone to New Zealand, I could have gone to the United States or around the world. I had the money to do what I wanted to do, but uh, for some reason, I just wanted to be on the Gold Coast. So um, when I got my redundancy, I actually came up here and spent some time looking for work. So between September 2012 to October 2014, I spent 50% of the time up here and 50% of the time in Sydney. And uh, I was just, uh, every time I'd come up here, I'd spend a few months up here Drop my resumes off at different spots, uh, different businesses and that. And then I'd go back to Sydney and I'd work casually down there. And I was doing that for a two-year period. And then finally, I got a job in 2014. And um, I'll go into that further about jobs and that, but it's a pretty tough up here to find work. So I was very lucky. And uh, that's how it all came about. But uh, why I wanted to live up here was I used to come up here on holidays on an annual basis uh, when I got my annual leave in Sydney And uh, we were lucky enough to build a home up here in 2003, and we used it as a holiday home. Originally, my parents were going to live up here back in the early 2000s. Uh, Mum got cold feet and found that the weather was a bit too warm for her in the summer months. So they um, stayed up here for a while to try it out, and then they went back to Sydney, and um, we just used it as a holiday home in the meantime. And uh, I said to my parents, I said, how about I just live in the home? I've got a job up there now. Um, I can look after the house. We don't have to rely on gardeners coming out to do the lawn and getting someone to check the pool and all that type of stuff. So um, I think they were grateful that I I am moved moved up here, even though I think mum does miss me and dad as well, no doubt. But uh, they've got their own space and I've got my own space and that's how I like it. So um, that's how that situation all come about. And uh, I've been up here five years. So uh, I'm going to do a bit of a comparison between Sydney and the Gold Coast. Uh, We'll go into the Briefly about the housing and uh, jobs and climate, weather, and more importantly, probably the photo- photography spots up here on the Gold Coast, the best spots to take photos for sunrise and sunset, and also going to um, spots in Sydney as well. So um, let's get into it. So, first of all, we'll start off on the climate, uh, Sydney versus Gold Coast climate. Uh, Sydney's average temperature in January is 26 degrees, so that's Sydney's warmest month on average. Now, this is on the coast, by the way. Up at Penrith and Richmond, the average temperature is around 30, 31 degrees in the summertime. On the Gold Coast here, it's a bit warmer. In January, we're averaging 29 degrees. um, And overnight temperatures are around 20, 21. Um, In July... Uh, Sydney averages 16 degrees, that's their coldest month of the year, and we average 21 degrees in July, so we're 5 degrees warmer on average up here on the Gold Coast, even in the winter months. You do not really have to wear tracksuit pants or jeans, to be honest, unless you're wearing jeans if you're going out somewhere fancy to a restaurant or something, so... um so there you go. The uh, rainfall is pretty much on very similar. Uh, Gold Coast is uh, 1,259 millimetres for the year and Sydney is 1,250 millimetres. So a little bit more rain up here on the Gold Coast. Uh, Gold Coast has wettest month is February and the driest month on the Gold Coast is September with 41 millimetres. In Sydney, June is its wettest month. Um, but if you do the Rainfall figures for the last 30 years, it's actually April, is now the wettest month in Sydney. So from about January, February to about June is the wettest part in Sydney. And September is also Sydney's driest month at 68 millimetres. So uh, both Gold Coast and Sydney, September is their driest months of the year. Um, uh, We do, Sydney get those southerly changes in the summertime as people that in Sydney would uh, attest to, they get that southerly buster after a hot day. We do get southerly changes up here, but not at the strength that Sydney gets. But uh, um, the weather all around is a lot better up here. And we get some good thunderstorms too in the summer months, by the way. Although I do believe Sydney did get a really good storm season last year from what I've seen on social media and so forth. Now, if we go into the housing, uh, this is pretty interesting. Um, Sydney's average price, I didn't even realise this, it's its over $1 million now or thereabouts. Sydney's average price median is $1 million. That's unbelievable. There must be a lot of millionaires down there if you sold your property. Up here on the Gold Coast, uh, the medium house price is $650,000. So if you're looking to retire and you wanted to move on the Gold Coast, you're going to make at least $300,000 plus your superannuation if you have any. So what a l- nice little nest egg if you want to retire up here on the Gold Coast but even if you just want to move up here with your family you know providing you can get a good job in that you're going to make three to four hundred thousand dollars uh, by selling your Sydney property and purchasing up here and that's average by the way so that is uh, that's not too bad actually. The only thing is uh, once you're up here on the Gold Coast it is very difficult to obviously get back into the Sydney market again which is uh, not surprising at all. Now the pros and cons of both cities, well Gold Coast has a population of about 600,000 now, Sydney is 5 million or over 5 million in the greater Sydney region. If you include Gold Coast, Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast you're looking at about 3.2 million dollars but that's spread out in a bigger area. So far less population up here although The southeast Queensland region, I believe, and don't quote me on this 100%, is the fastest growing area in Australia at the moment. So um, a lot of people definitely want to live up here and they get a taste of it when they're up here on holidays. And uh, as I said, I work in the car rental industry and the amount of customers that come up here weekly uh, that I speak to a lot, that they're up here looking for property because they want to move up here. Every day there is always someone flying up looking for property to move or, or or an investment to move up here later on. So, um, but the pros and cons, obviously Sydney's population, it just did my head in. The tolls, uh, Sydney's just at a, it's full. I, I don't know how they can fit more people in there, to be honest, unless you're People start going out to the Blue Mountains and beyond, but um, it's just too busy down there for me. But the thing I liked up here the most is just the beaches. Um, look, there's some nice beaches in Sydney too, don't get me wrong. If you lived in the northern beaches or even in the eastern suburbs and you're only a five-minute drive from the beach, do you really need to move to the Gold Coast? You know what I mean? When you've got the beaches down there. So uh, some people uh, – it would be interesting to see those who are listening – uh, and those that live in Sydney and even in Melbourne and other capital cities, do you ever have the urge to want to live on the Gold Coast? Have you actually had holidays up here and think, gee, I'd love to live up here? It is a good lifestyle. So where I live at the moment, I'm only about a seven to eight minute drive to Heads Beach, which is the nearest beach. When I was living in Sydney, it was an hour's drive to the nearest beach, um, which was Well, it didn't really matter. We lived so far out west, it didn't matter where you went. It still took over an hour. But if you went along the freeways and paid on the tolls and that, you'd probably get the Bondi in about 45 minutes if you did sunrise and providing you're up at 5 a.m. in the... That's the early, quickest I'd get to a beach down there anyway. But up here, seven, eight minutes, I'm at Burley. Sunrise, boom, like that. Um... What I was going to say, yeah, so and then you've got Coolangatta Snapper Rocks. You've got the southern part of the Gold Coast um, that have got lovely beaches too and obviously Snapper Rocks has got one of the best surfs in the world, especially when the conditions are right. You've got, that's called the Superbank down there and then uh, all the way up to Main Beach, up to the Spit and um, it's just lovely and um, I'm going to go through now the best spots to take photos for sunrise. Well, I generally go to Burley now. Uh, then you've got Palm Beach, you've got Miami, it's pretty much all on the same section and that and then you go down to Kira, Cool and then you've got Corumbin. and if you want to go south of the border you've got Cabarita, Fingal Head, Hastings Point, down to Pottsville, Brunswick, Byron Bay and if you're really keen you can even go down to Ballin if you really wanted to to take uh, photos of sunrise which I have done a few times but you've got to that is, that is an hour's drive down there. So um, there is some lovely spots up here to take photos of sunrise. As for sunset, Corrumbin um, is a good spot, although at the moment they're building a lot of apartments at Palm Beach. So when you're sort of uh, taking photos with the sun in the background, you've got the buildings there. So bear that in mind. I don't find Corrumbin as good as a sunset spot like I used to. Um, I find Kira and Snapper Rocks and Rainbow Bay are generally the three best spots to do sunset on the Gold Coast. And especially in the winter time when the sun's more to the north and it sets over the shoreline. In the summertime the sun's sort of more setting in a southwesterly direction. You don't get that sun aligned up on the on the beach like you do in winter. But still all the same, there's still some good spots down on the southern points to take photos of sunset down there. And you can also go down to Finglehead. Head. Um, down at Hastings Point along the river is another good spot for sunset. Uh, there's a lake at Cabarita. Someone just messaged me on Instagram not long ago asking me for that location um, for the lake at Cabarita, and I just sent him a link on Google Maps just then. So, um, And then uh, you can even go down to Mwilumbark. There's some really lovely spots down at Mowillambar in the cane fields and that for sunset, and you can do sunrise down there as well. And there's a nice little river down there at Mowillen Bar, that um, I just can't remember where it, what road it's on, but I've done a few sunrise photos there with Mount Warning in the background. So there's a lot of options on the Gold Coast for sunrise and sunset. You can even go up to the hinterland. You can go up to Lamington National Park. There's a place called Moran Falls. I've been, I went there with my friend Ellie for the first time a few months ago, and did sunset, it's like a little waterfall that goes over a cliff and it's a lovely sunset spot. There is It is a fair walk, I think it's a half an hour walk from the car park to get there though, so you've got to bear that in mind. Mount Tambourine where the lookout is, where they where the hen gliders go off, that's another lovely spot for sunset, you know, watching the sunset over the Great Dividing Range out towards Warwick. And um, out at Bow Desert, there's a lake there called Lake Wirealong so it's sort of about an hour and 15-minute drive from the Gold Coast. That's another lovely spot to do sunset photos. There's some. There's four dead trees there down by the shoreline. I've been there several times over the years, and I've done sunset there. And um, I've yet to do astro there. Um, I've seen some nice photos from some photographers in recent weeks uh, with the core of the Milky Way setting over those dead trees at Lake along So that's another good spot. Also up at the Spit where the jetty is, that's another good sunrise location, not so much sunset, but uh, it's a great atmosphere up there and dogs are allowed to be off the leash up there. And uh, there is a part up there where there's a lot of boats and that that are moored on the water. You can do sunset up there, but I find that with the buildings in the background, it can be a bit of a put off, but it is a nice little spot and that it can get busy on weekends as well. Um, There's a lake. Up past the theme parks, and I just can't think of the bloody thing. But I've been up there a couple of times for sunset as well. And up towards Jacob's Well, there's a lot of cane fields up there and some small, narrow rivers or canals. Um, that's another good location to do sunset photography. So they're the main areas um, to do sunrise and sunset along the Gold Coast. Byron Bay is another awesome spot uh, to do sunset, even in the summer months, because even with the sun setting towards the southwest in summer, um, the the acute angle of Byron Bay headland, you can still take photos with the sun setting over the ocean in Byron Bay. So that is a a nice place to go to down in the summer months, although you will find it will be difficult to get a parking spot, especially on um, weekends down there but um, it's about an hour's drive from where I live and Ballin is a further 20 minutes south of that. So Lennox Head is another good spot for sunrise and sunset. Um, So there's heaps of choices if you're prepared to travel. And then you've got Brisbane, which is an hour away. So this is another good thing about the Gold Coast is it's the only area, Brisbane and the Gold Coast region, where you've got two major cities within an hour of each other. There's no other place in Australia that I can think of with two major cities within an hour's drive um, so you've got the Gold Coast cityscape with the tour buildings and so forth and then an hour north to Brisbane you can shoot the cityscape there so you've got Brisbane as another option if you're prepared to travel up towards Brisbane to do sunrise or sunset as well so we've got a thousand options up here But where Sydney's probably a bit better is the amount of beaches that they have and each beach is different in nature, different in size, in perspective. Sydney has rock pools that the Gold Coast does not have and they've got a lot more rocks and uh, you can take advantage of water flow and so forth whereas up here on the Gold Coast there's only a couple of beaches up here and in northern New South Wales where you've got nice rocks around to take photos being Fingal and Cabarita and Hastings. Up here on the Gold Coast, you've got Tugan at Flat Rock there and there's some rocks around Burley Head and that where you can do some shots from there. But Sydney is king when it does come to photography spots. Um, the amount of perspectives and different locations in Sydney, um, you, you don't get bored down there taking photos. And 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 Sydney is unique where the city is inland from the ocean. So you can do sunrise with the bridge and the Opera House and the city buildings and uh, go over the other side for sunset and shoot the other side. So that's where Sydney is good. Um, And then obviously, if you want to travel further, you've got Wollongong all the way down there, up to the Central Coast, and uh, the sky's the limit down there. So Sydney has definitely got more options compared to the Gold Coast, but uh, that wouldn't be that's still not enough of a reason for me to live in Sydney. <laughs> so that, that's how I sort of, um, I see it. So, and then we've got the hinterland, uh, as I just spoke. You've got the uh, National, um, Lamington National Park, and then you've got Mount Tambourine. You've got Springbrook National Park. So we've got some lovely waterfalls up here as well, uh, if you're prepared to go for a bit of a hike. No doubt Sydney has as well. Sydney's got the Blue Mountains and they've got probably a lot more waterfalls than what we have up here, but uh, the hinterland is a lot closer to where I live than compared to Sydney. So it's Blue Mountains as well over an hour and a half drive. So uh, that's where we've got those options as well. So I've got the hinterland, you've got Brisbane and you've got all the beaches and that. So it's a great part of the world. And um, someone asked me, I've been asked this a few times, would I ever move back to Sydney? Uh, I guess I can never rule it out because uh, my parents still live down there. I don't know if they're going to sell up and move up here or not. Um, They're still thinking about it, but I think with their age, it's highly unlikely they'll now move up here. So obviously if my my mum and dad both or one of them do get sick and they can't be looked after, then I may have to go back down to look after them. So there is always that chance that I'll have to move back to Sydney down the track. Um, it's, I don't think it's something my parents want me to do. They're happy for me to be up here, but uh, there may be a time down when, when mum and dad maybe can't look after themselves and I might need to maybe temporarily move back to look after them. So um, that's something that's always an open window there. So uh, that's my opinion on the Gold Coast versus Sydney. And I forgot to mention Vivid. Sydney has a fantastic event every year called the Sydney Vivid Festival. It's gone for about 10 years now. It's a display of lights and the Harbour Bridge and buildings get all lit up and there's all different displays. And, uh, that happens, uh, around the last week in May and it goes to about the middle of June. So that is something that, uh, the Gold Coast does not have. (laughs) So if you want to see something like that, you've got to fly down to Sydney for it. So, uh, Sydney does have some spectacular events and Vivid Sydney is something I would recommend. I've been attending Vivid for the last, um, I'd have to be seven, eight years now. Even when I was living in Sydney, I was going to Vivid even before I was taking photos. And uh, ever since I've moved up to the Gold Coast, I've always gone down to Sydney annually for the Sydney Vivid Festival. New Year's Eve in Sydney is something spectacular as well. I got to witness some awesome New Year's Eves. Even back in the late 80s, early 90s when I used to go into the city on New Year's Eve, Sydney put on a really good show, a 9pm and a midnight fireworks display that no other city can really match. So that's one another good thing from a photography point of view Sydney has is New Year's Eve. I have yet to actually done New Year's Eve in Sydney for taking photos, uh, only because you've got to get in there early to get a good venue spot. And I'm not the type that would uh, be prepared to sit for more than 12 or even longer hours just to get photos of fireworks. But they do have a fantastic um, fireworks display at New Year's Eve and also too on Australia Day. Sydney um, comes alive on Australia Day with all the boats and and that out in the harbour. So um, Sydney is a beautiful city, don't get me wrong. Um, but You know, my personal opinion, I do prefer the Gold Coast, just. Yeah, one thing I forgot to mention about jobs um, on the Gold Coast, it is a lot more difficult to find work up here compared to Sydney, even though Sydney's got a greater population. Up here, you've got tourism, hospitality and retail, generally the three main um, uh, industries up here. You do have a little bit of manufacturing, uh, especially in the northern part of the Gold Coast, around Pimpama and Ormo. Uh, they have some warehousing and manufacturing places up there, but uh, it's mainly those industries that I just mentioned then. So that's why it was so difficult to find work up here. And there are jobs. If you look up on the SEEK website, there are vacancies, but it just depends on what you want to do. Obviously, if you're, if you're a doctor or a nurse, you probably wouldn't have a problem Uh getting a job at a hospital and that. But uh, if you don't have a, a trade or anything like that, it can be difficult. Uh, but there are jobs up here. It's just that there's a lot more applicants that will go for the one job. So you could ap- have up to 100 applicants for a certain job up here. That's That's not a trade. Whereas in Sydney, you might only have 20 or 30 going for the same job. So it is a lot more difficult to find work up here. That's something to consider when you... If you ever want to move up here uh, to the Gold Coast on a permanent basis is uh, making sure that whatever job you have uh, living in the other capital cities in Australia, that you can get a similar role up here. So um, that is one of the downfalls um, of the Gold Coast uh, when it comes to employment. And that's it, guys. Another show done and dusted. Thank you very much for listening. Much appreciated. I hope you've enjoyed your long weekend. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye for now.